Life, Sound of Adulthood. Not another day. Sweet Jesus, why? Please make the suffering stop. (laughs) Please let it all end. Oh, it won't end? Okay, I guess I'm just going to work. All right, I guess I'll just go. Oh, well. I got work at six. All right. All right, I woke up and I am alive. Let's go. Welcome to Beer and Fear. My name is Paige. Zach. <laughs> Zach. That is who I am. Uh-huh. This is the 63rd episode of Beer and Fear. It's not? Nope. I thought it was. <laughs> no. Oh, it's 62nd. Sorry. Yep. My bad. Welcome to the 62nd episode of Beer and Fear. We could Fear. just skip right to 100. Let's <laughs> we'll just go. All right. 61 and 100. <laughs> 62nd episode of Beer and Fear is on carnivorous trees. It's a weird one. Man-eating trees. Never thought that could be a subject of discussion. I always find the weird ones. Mm-hmm. That's why I love you. Oh, buddy. Love you, too. I'm so tired. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm still waking up. Yeah, I was... When I woke up this morning, I was, I was still exhausted. And I went to bed pretty early. I got home around... Uh, 10 and i think i went to bed at like 10 30. oh well yeah I, I slept for a while and then i ended up waking up i think 12 30 12 40 and i was like oh god zach wanted to record earlier today <laughs> oops and yeah, we got home around 10 30 but we stayed up uh i don't even remember what we did ale what did we do when we got home last night and then what? Oh, we just kind of like passed out on the bed. And then I had to do my homework. Yeah. I had some Spanish homework I needed to do. Mm-hmm. So it was like 2.30 in the morning. I was like, I should probably do this because I need it for tomorrow. So I did that. That would be important. And then I was like, I haven't started any of my research either. So I should do that. But I'm going to do that tomorrow. I know. It's just, the whole week is just... And I let you know on Tuesday. Yep. But uh, we, you know, Thanksgiving was yesterday. Uh, we talked about well how our days were. How was your week? Uh, the week. Oh, God, that's longer than 24 hours ago. I need to consult my phone. <clears throat> uh, I worked. Worked some overtime. I had mm-hmm. an eight-hour turnaround. I don't know the last time I had that. Mm. So I got home at three in the morning and then had to be back at work at 11 huh. and that was something that happened used to happen all the yeah, time you haven't done that in a while year. yeah but now there's not as much ot so but tired went shopping for things um had thanksgiving with my family that was fantastic a lot of food i'm glad i got to see them mm-hmm. um and then tomorrow i work and i gotta i gotta pack everything because i'm leaving for L.A. on Sunday, it's be my first time in California, um, my girlfriend's going to go see BTS at SoFi Stadium. What are you going to do while she's at the concert? Probably go to a bar or something. Oh, okay. Some fancy bar and get a drink or, I don't know. We'll figure it out. 
Hopefully not die. I don't know if there's like dangerous parts of LA. Yes, there are. Uh, and I don't know where they are. So I would look into that. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I'm just going to, I made a joke that I'm just going to stand outside the stadium. like, just pretend you're scalping tickets, and then when people come up looking for tickets, just be like, oh, I sold the last one. Oh, sorry about that, man. Oh, uh, I just sold out. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But then um, we want to check out the beach. We're going to go to a restaurant. It's going to be fun. So, mm-hmm. And the weather looks really nice. So I'm excited for the weekend. It'll be a lot of fun. How about you? It was your week. Well, we had Thanksgiving. We were talking about that. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only had to work three days this week. It was so nice. Wow. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I have the rest of the week off. So I have four days off in a row. Some Damn. time away to recoup from the children. Oh, the children. Oh, God. They're exhausting. Um, it was really funny. Thursday, I um, my body wakes me up kind of early because of work. Yeah. Um, it woke me up at 7.50. And I was like, oh, it's 7.50. Oh, it's 7.50. I'm late for work. <laughs> I was like, God damn, I got to figure this out. And then I like got up to like go to the bathroom. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's, I'm off today. That is like the best feeling. Next to like realizing you don't work the next day. Yeah. It's like thinking you have the whole day. You're thinking, I got to work tomorrow. You remember, oh, I'm off. It's That's such so a, wonderful. But then like waking up and then having that mini heart attack where you're late for work and then like I'm, I've done that where I'm still in bed. It's like, oh fuck, <sighs> and I could just lay back and relax. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Yeah, that was me. <coughs> but yeah, um, the week before was just work. I hung out with my sisters for a bit, um, and you know, I always see my family on Sundays, so we did that. Nice. Nothing crazy. We had a uh, teacher potluck on Tuesday, so Ooh. all the teachers brought in food and. The uh, principal and assistant principal brought in um, pizza and uh, stuff, so that was fun. I bought uh, some juices and some pumpkin pie. Nice. Mm. <clears throat> I think um, our Ugh. spread last year for Thanksgiving was really nice. Um, there was a ton of food. We had food for the rest of the week uh-huh. to feed three shifts of people for the entire week. There was so much food left over, and... Someone came in uh, Wednesday with some trays of food, and they're like, "Yeah, it's like a, a meat and cheese tray, and mm-hmm. I think there's a coffee cake." And we were all like looking around. It's like there's gonna be more food tomorrow, <laughs> right? And you're bringing in more food. So I honestly don't know. I think that might have been it. I think. Wow. I know it was a little upsetting. It's but very underwhelming. At least they brought in food for us, but at the same time, I you feel bad for the people who are stuck there working Thanksgiving. <laughs> Evening shift, midnight shift, whatever. And, you know, mm. they didn't get to spend time with their family on Thanksgiving. They didn't get to eat. So it's like, at least there's something. But it's like, compared to last year, doesn't hold a candle. Mm. So, what a letdown. But I'm glad I had the day off. I just had Thursdays and Fridays. Yes, yeah, so you got to enjoy out. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Hopefully everyone listening had a wonderful Thanksgiving if you celebrate. <laughs> or if you just eat food. My best friend Allison doesn't do Thanksgiving, I don't think. Eh, well, it is. Yeah, touchy. As yeah, touchy subject there. (laughs) I don't celebrate it for the day. I celebrate it for the family. Yes, exactly. Same. You know, when I say Happy Thanksgiving, I just mean enjoy time with your family. (laughs) I do not mean anything about the anything that happened. No. Enjoy time with your family and eat a lot of good food. Yes, that is a hundred percent all I mean. We got the holidays coming up. Well, a holiday. We've got Christmas coming up. 
I know. It's almost December. Oh, gosh. I know. The stress, I can feel it. It's almost 2022. I can feel it building inside me. Mm -mm. It's a stressful time for everyone. It is. Oh, well. And get in here. That's what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. I'm locking my phone. Our beer is from Pipeworks. Okay. From Pipeworks. Uh, Pipeworks, I've done it before, but I'll go into a brief description. Many times, yeah. Was established in Chicago in 2012 by friends with a shared dream of crafting quality and creative beers. Since putting the first cap on the first bottle, the brewery has garnered accolades for its distinctive beers and original artwork thanks to a growing and enthusiastic team. Mm. They self-distribute in Illinois, Milwaukee, and Madison, but can be found in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. And a couple others, but oh well. Mm-hmm. Moving. We don't talk about those. We don't talk about those. Our beer is called Not Far From The Tree. <laughs> mm. Are there apples in it? There are. <laughs> it is a Kolsch. Yeah! Oh. It does not have a score on Beer Advocate. It's ABV is 4.6%. It has nothing, so no ratings whatsoever. Okay. It is a collaboration with Wright B, B-E-E, Cider. We're mm. back at it, and it's collaborating at it and collaborating with our friends in fermentation, our buds in the suds, our neighbors at Wright Beer Cider. This apple ale is clean, crisp, and somehow perfectly walks the line between cider and beer. This beer was brewed using gallons of the apple juice that Wright B Cider would normally use to make their cider. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I love Kolsch. I love your Kolsch. What does that even mean? I don't know if you can tell by how excited I was when you said the word Kolsch. Yeah, the the clap was very intense. Hmm. That's it, though. Okay, I'll get it. I was going to tell you, um, we had a bunch of pies for dessert at Thanksgiving. One of them was peanut butter and jelly pie. What? It was actually very good. A lot of peanut butter, though. Can't say I've tried it. Pure peanut butter. Well, I'm convinced if you put peanut butter on anything, it makes it taste better. Like a peanut butter burger. So good. So our can art is actually really cool. It's like unicorn heads. I feel like I've seen this. Unicorn skulls, I guess, with little bees around them. Some apples. Bees. bees. Some fall leaves swaying in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> right bee cider. Bryn Gleason. Good job, Bryn Gleason. Art looks great. It does look great. Let me get a whiff. Yeah, smells like cider. Smells good. A little hint of beer. Mm-hmm. Okay, no spill. I believe in you. No spill, no foam. Wow, that is very light. It is very light. That's what I was going to say. Oh, it's a Kolsch. That's right. <laughs> Bubbly, effervescent. <laughs> I got I to gotta grab a picture. Smells great. Oh, yeah. Okay, hurry up. I want to try this beer. Hell yeah. Put some hustle in your bustle there, lady. Yeah, very oh, light. Extremely. Oh, there's the floaties. Yep. There's floaties in them. Huh. Hopefully it's not poisoned. 
And it smells like, yeah, a light beer. Kind of like a, you know, like a, a lager. But apples. Very much apple. Oh, I'm eager. Gentle. Because we overfilled. Ooh, that's lovely. It's interesting, sort of. Did it say what hops are in this? It did not. I like the the brightness of the Kolsch combo with the apple. It's just a very bright, crisp beer. So I'm still congested. I can smell it. Like I can't get the like the little details of the apples as much as I'm sure you can. Um, but my taste buds are all kind of muddled up right now. Yeah. So I'm getting... I can kind of get the apple in the taste, but I'm not getting as much as mm. someone who isn't congested would. But the, <clears throat> I feel like initially the Kolsch flavor kind of overpowers it a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe mutes the other flavors in the beer. Apple flavors, whatever else it's with the apple juice. Yeah. Um, but I love Kolsch, and I, I haven't had a bad Kolsch before. I just like how crisp and clean they taste. Yeah, very. And it's just bright, and um, it's very bubbly. A lot it of is. carbonation, and it sort of almost attacks your tongue. Yeah, it's good. That's good. But that's also why I, I asked you um, which topic to do, because I thought Not Far From The Tree would be like really good for a family of serial killers. Oh, Because it's yeah. not far from the tree. Yeah. But we haven't done anything like carnivorous trees before. No, this so. one's crazy. This one's weird. So my research sucks. Why? <clears throat> I sent you links. I know, and I used it. And I, I checked out, I think, one more website. But copy and paste. And um, it's uh, there's not a whole lot. I have a page and like a fifth of page two. I told you, there's not a lot of information into these. It'll um, be a short episode. And then a couple photos. So Carl Linnaeus, uh, if we're we're doing some science talk here, in science, Carl Linnaeus, the great 18th century Swedish naturalist who devised our system for ordering life, rebelled at the idea that plants could be carnivorous <laughs> and that they only catch insects by accident. It wasn't until Charles Darwin's analysis that the idea of carnivorous plants was accepted by the mainstream scientific community. However, the idea of carnivorous plants appeared in many cultures prior to Darwin's analysis, most notably as the man-eating tree. A man-eating tree, or carnivorous tree, can refer to any of the many legendary or cryptozoological carnivorous plants that are large enough to kill and consume a person or other large animal. The carnivorous plant, with the largest known traps, is probably the Nepenthes raha, Nepenthes raha, which produces pitchers up to 15 inches tall with a volume of up to a gallon. These pitcher plants are capable of eating rodents as large as rats, but they resemble flowers more than trees, and they use slow-working acids instead of lightning-quick branches to devour their prey. These pitcher plants are leeches off trees and are not large enough to consume people. In popular culture, it's a common cryptid. It may have been an extremely large sundew plant. And then the Venus flytrap, a North American cousin of the pitcher plant, has more star power with its toothy mouth that can be watched as it closes on unlucky insects. These little stars are completely harmless to humans, but their grip on our imagination might have spurred on the explorers who dreamed up man-eating trees. 
This is the Nepenthes Raha, that gigantic pitcher plant, which I didn't even know was a thing. Yeah, they're cool. They're pretty big. You can hold them in your hand, like two hands. Uh, they're that large, and um, it's kind of crazy. And then uh, this is a sundew plant. They're pretty. They are very pretty. And I, think, I like how they trap things. Yeah, I think the like the ends they have like sticky yep. sweet dew, which attracts insects, and they like eat the dew and then they go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, just like that. <laughs> In mythicalness, a man-eating tree is a vicious predator, usually found deep within jungle territory. Although these trees might look harmless, power courses from their roots to their wild branches. They pose a mortal threat to any warm-blooded creature who mistakes their open arms for shelter instead of a trap. Explorers have described several species of man-eating trees, each of them taking on an appearance of its own. Sometimes they have rich fruit and flowers. Sometimes they stand naked and ominous. Sometimes they are the tallest tree for miles around, and other times they grow like short, stocky bushes. The hallmarks of the man-eating tree are its snake-like branches, which may be weaving around in the air even when there is no wind blowing and an absence of life around the tree. Other plants are usually repelled by the tree, so a small clearing may have formed around its base. Animals who approach the tree rarely live to tell the tale, so there are no bird nests, squirrels, monkeys, or other tree creatures making a playground of its branches. Although deadly, man-eating trees are not particularly refined in their predatory technique. Since their roots keep them firmly planted in the ground, hunting is out of the question. Instead, they wait, like spiders in a monstrous web, for their prey to stumble upon them. They are incredibly sensitive, able to detect a creature as light as a bird perching on one of their branches, and they may be able to detect vibrations in the air and earth even before their prey touches them. When it's time to attack, the monsters lash out with their tentacle-like branches, seizing their prey and breaking bones or strangling them by the neck. Some trees are also equipped with suction cup mouths or leaves, which can tear flesh from their victims. It's not clear how the carnivorous trees digest their prey. Some explorers have suggested that they only drain the blood from their victims, then toss away the body's shell, while grislier accounts describe victims being incorporated into the body of the tree itself. If man-eating trees do exist, hidden in some dark jungle pocket, science has yet to sniff them out. Still, carnivorous plants are not just the stuff of sci-fi. They consume hundreds of insects, frogs, and rodents every year. Unless you're talking about the plant from Little Shop of Horrors that eats people, or devil snare or whomping willow from Harry Potter that ensnares school students in flying cars. <laughs> that's my section. Oh, really? That's it? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the that's the summary. That's um, all that really people know or talk about carnivorous trees. It is a niche topic, um, but it's it has a lot of different uh, um, appearances in popular culture, movies and video games and books about big plants, carnivorous plants that eat people. Uh, it's cool. Um, I hope they don't exist. I hope they don't exist. I want to die like that. <laughs> be eaten by a tree but you're going to talk about some specific ones i am so i think that's where that's where most of the interesting information is at the madagascar tree the earliest well-known report of a man-eating tree originated in the 1800s in 1881 german explorer carl leach leachy leach wrote an account in the south Australian register of a counter- encountering a sacrifice performed by the Makoto tribe of Madagascar. These slender, delicate pelps with the fury of starved serpents 
quivered a moment over her head, then as if with instinct and demonic intelligence, fastened upon her in sudden coils, round and round her neck and arms, then while her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wildly to be instantly strangled down again into a gurgling moan. The tendrils, one after another, like great green serpents, with brutal energy and infernal rapidity, rose, retracted themselves, and wrapped her about in fold after fold, ever tightening with cruel swiftness and savage tenacity of anacondas fastening upon their prey. The tree was given further publicity by the 1924 book by former governor of Michigan Chase Osborne, Madagascar, the land of the man-eating tree. Osborne claimed that both the tribes and missionaries on Madagascar knew about the hideous tree and also repeated the above leech leech leechy account. This is a picture of the Madagascar tree. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's like got claws. It does and teeth lining the inside. So that was supposedly, um, I don't know if it was supposed to be human sacrifice to the tree or if she just stumbled upon it. Hmm. Yate Veo or Veo, I'm not sure. Uh, in J.W. Buell's Land and Sea, 1887, the Yate Veo, which stands for I see you already, plant is said to catch and consume large insects, but also attempts to consume humans. It is said to be a carnivorous plant that grows in parts of Central and South America, with cousins in Africa and on the shores of the Indian Ocean. There are many different descriptions of the plant, but most reports say that it has a short, thick trunk and long, tendril-like appendages, which are used to catch prey. Some even claim it has an eye to locate its prey with. The natives feared it like it had bad omens and was thought to be the work of evil witch doctor magic. That is the Yate Veo. I saw that picture. That's yeah. fucking creepy. The cow eating tree. On October 18th, 2007, residents of Padrame near Kokodo in Apinagande? Apinagande Forest? Range sighted one such carnivorous trout, uh, tree trying to die. Carnivorous trout. <laughs> carnivorous trout trying to dine on a cow according to reports the cow owned by Anad Gouda had been left to graze in the forests the cow was suddenly grabbed by the branches and pulled from the ground the terrified cow heard ran to the village and Gouda got a band of villagers to the carnivorous tree before the tree could have its meal Gouda and the villagers struck mortal blows to the branches that turned limp and the cow was rescued you initially said trying to eat a cow, and I imagined, I thought of this video. Oh, yeah. The, the pelican like, trying to eat the capybara. Trying to eat a capybara. <laughs> it's not like, going to work for you, buddy. The tree was like trying to eat the cow, and the cow was just chilling like. This is some nice grass. <laughs> In the uh, forest range, Officer Sabra- uh, Sabranya Rao said the tree was described as Pilimara, a tiger tree in native lingo. He had received many complaints about cattle returning home in the evening without tails. The field staff confirmed coming across a similar tree uh, in Padrone partially felled down. They just eat the tails and it's like, oh, I'm full. Oh, delicious, a tail. Too much. Uh, The Nubian tree. 
1881, Phil Robinson pieced together a book of his uncle's experiences in Nubia, a region of northern Africa near the Nile River. One of the most horrific monsters in this book was the Nubian tree, which lured animals into its branches with aromatic flowers and golden fruit that looked like large drops of honey. Dew dropped from the tree's leaves continuously, feeding a screen of rich green grass, which grew as tall and sharp as swords. The tree seized prey with its branches and was impervious to attack by guns and knives. Why would you, uh... People shooting a tree. That's what I'm imagining. So it just walks up to a tree and it's got like a big old dagger. She tries to stab it. She's like, what? Why won't you die already? Die, you sicko! You didn't go over, over Homer's Odyssey, did you? No. Okay. Uh, throughout history, a number of trees have cropped up to menace innocent man. In Homer's Odyssey, a lotus tree casts an enchantment over an isolated island. Its delicious fruit caused men to lose their memories and to sink into pleasant drowsiness. Again, in the Bible, the tree of knowledge spelled disaster from Adam and Eve when they were tempted to eat its luscious fruit. The vampire vine... William Thomas Steed, editor of Review of Reviews, published a brief article in October of 1891 that discussed a story found in Lucifer magazine describing a plant in Nicaragua called by the natives the Devil's Snare. This plant had the capability to drain the blood of any living thing which comes within its death-dealing touch. According to the article, Mr. Dunstan, naturalist who had recently returned from Central America, where he spent nearly two years in the study of flora and fauna of the country, relates the finding of a singular growth in one of the swamps which surround the Great Lakes of Nicaragua. He was engaged in hunting for botanical and entomological specimens when he heard his dog cry out, as if in agony from a distance. Running to the spot whence the animal's cries came, Mr. Dunstan found him enveloped in a perfect network of what seemed to be a fine rope-like tissue of roots and fibers. The native servants who accompanied Mr. Dunstan manifested the greatest horror of the vine, which they call the Devil's Snare, and were full of stories of its death-dealing powers. He was able to discover very little about the nature of the plant owing to the difficulty of handling it, for its grasp can only be torn away with the loss of skin and even of flesh. But as near as Mr. Dunstan could ascertain, its power of suction is contained in a number of infantismal mouths or little suckers, which ordinarily close, open for the reception of food. If the substance is animal, the blood is drawn off and the carcass or refuse then dropped. An investigation of Steed's review determined no such article was published in the October issue of uh, Lucifer and concluded that the story of review of reviews appeared to be a fabrication by the editor. The story, in fact, appeared in the September issue, preceded by a longer version in 1889 newspaper describing Dunstan as a well-known naturalist from New Orleans. Uh, But that inspired Devil's Snare from Harry Potter, where... In the movie, I forget how it was portrayed in the book, but in the movie, the only way to be free from its grasp was to relax. Yes. And then when Ron couldn't relax in the movie, uh, they used, what was it, Loomis? Whatever. They hit it with light. Devil Snare hates sunlight. Yes. So that's I can see the Dracula connection where it's like, as long as there's light, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, most historical accounts of man-eating trees have been spectacularly debunked. For example, the Madagascar tree and the Nubian tree were not only fake, the explorers who discovered them were fake as well. Oh, nice. If man-eating trees um, do exist, I want nothing to do with that. But 
Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would observe it from a distance. <laughs> from a distance. From a long distance. That's my section. It's man eating trees. Not a long episode. <clears throat> I should have talked more about like, because uh, well, I said before, in popular culture, they're portrayed quite a bit. I mean, go ahead, add it in. Oh, yeah. The Wikipedia talks about the vampire bind. Literature and film, The Mad Eating Tree was an 1881 book. Describes the one in Nubia. The Purple Terror. Spanish Revenge. I'm trying to see if I recognize any. Little Shop of Horrors. I saw that musical. Um, did you ever see it? Little Shop of Horrors? I didn't. With the gigantic... Um, I've seen the plant, plant, like in pictures and stuff. Yeah, and a, I know the famous "Feed Me Seymour." Feed me Seymour. Wasn't um, that motherfucker got big. Mm-hmm. The actor in the movie wasn't that the guy who played the one of the guys in Ghostbusters, not one of the main characters. Um, he was in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Rick Moranis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a uh, dark helmet. Didn't he get in trouble for punching someone? No, he got punched. That's right. Yeah, he got he got assaulted just randomly. Who punches, Who punches Rick Moranis? Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was in that uh, film. Sagebrush Kid. Harry Potter Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. Life of Pi. Uh, Carnivore's Tree Floating on an Island. Werewolf of London in 35 shows a Madagascar tree. Poltergeist. Oh, yeah, the tree in Poltergeist. That's right. Grabs and devours a child. Uh, you were describing the first tree and the, the tentacles. Yeah. Um, uh, there's got to be a lot of Rule 34 going on with... Uh, <laughs> isn't that a little, isn't that a little perverted? That, that's immediately where my mind went. You started talking about trees. It is a little perverted, in fact, is where your mind went. But carnivorous plant is unfortunately a section on Rule 34. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Don't look it up. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> this is awful. Wow. I'm going to close this. This is making me sad. No king shaming. Oh, boy. I don't like that. Yeah, that's about it. Sure, so that's fine. We do long ones enough. <laughs> oh, beer was great. I was going to ask you just now. Can you not pressure me? What did you think of the beer? It's, yeah, um, delicious. I like, I fucking love Kolsch. Um, Kolsch is one of my favorite styles of beer. Mm-hmm. Next to Hefeweizen's. Um, I don't know. To me, I think the... Uh, the NEIPA that we had last episode had a little more to offer, brought a little more to the table. I liked the flavors of that a little more than this, but they're very different beers, and this is pleasant. And um, we've done 62 episodes already, and I can't remember if a Kolsch... I think a Kolsch is a lager. Kolsch. Kolsch. Style of beer. Kolsch. Lager or ale. Oh, it's an ale. Today tells you what I know. Pilsner is a lager. I like Pilsners. But they're all similar. Uh, the crispness, the brightness of them. Mm-hmm. I like the apples. Um, I was hoping for a little more. They collabed with like a cider company to put apple juice in this. I would have liked a little more apple juice. I a little agree. more apple fl- uh, forward. 
But I agree. It's uh, tasty, carbonated, fizzy, bright. I like the color and plenty of floaties at the bottom. And so you know, it's it, it was a good ferment. You? Um, again, I can't taste as much as you can right mm-hmm. now because I am congested. I really enjoyed the smell. I thought that was very pleasant. Um, very crisp, very car- uh, carbonated, so it was kind of like playful on your tongue. But mm-hmm. um, from what I could taste, I would agree uh, when you say it's an apple colch, you would expect apple. Yeah, you're getting apple juice. Especially since they collaborated with a cider company. Yeah, put more of that shit in there. But it's pleasant. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think overall it's well brewed. Just, you know, could be more. Drinking the floaties always makes me a little, a little queasy. Like when I make booch, that floaties in the booch, you gotta drink that. It's like a little oyster. Ew, stop. <laughs> Woo! Beerandfearcast.com is our website. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and TikTok, and you can send us emails at beerandfearcast at gmail.com. Beerandfearcast at gmail.com. Oh, I'm tired. I got to wake up. These video episodes, we do these live uh, when we record the episodes. So every, usually Thursdays or Fridays, we'll record and we'll post on Facebook and Twitter when we're doing our live episodes. But if you ever want to watch them after we've recorded them, they get released with our episodes, our main episodes, every Wednesday at noon Central Time. You can watch the video on YouTube um, or just listen to us on every popular podcast platform. But that's it. I feel like a parrot. Yeah, you do repeat the same thing every time. Every episode. Consistently. No one listens. Can you stop? God, you're so negative. Have a good day. Have a good day. Jesus. Nancy, can I get a break?